Hey everybody, it's Brian. Real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Ashvin and I were guests on the hilarious podcast Lights, Camera, No. We talked about the faculty with their hosts Whitney, Eric, and Lauren, and we had a great chat with them about it. So you should go listen to that episode on the faculty. I think it was Friday, May 8th that that came out. Uh, Their podcast is called Lights, Camera, No. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. They have a website, lightscameranoe.com. It's a hilarious show. I love to listen to it, and I think you will too. So go check them out. And for now, enjoy our episode. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about Evil Dead from 2013, directed by Fede Alvarez, uh, written by Fede Alvarez and Roto Saiges, starring Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Lou Taylor Pucci, Jessica Lucas, and Elizabeth Blackmore. Uh, this movie is, of course... Uh, a remake or a soft reboot, technically, of The Evil Dead from 1981. And in this movie, five friends staying at an isolated cabin uh, in an attempt to help their friend quit her drug habit cold turkey stumble upon an evil force that wants to feast on their souls. And uh, we didn't announce it in our quarantine episode, but Ashvin and I kind of decided to do a remake May, a remade, make some sort of pun about it, and do entirely... <laughs> post-2000s probably remakes this month, but I think I've already failed this because this is a reboot, I guess. What What do you... Uh, yeah, they, I'm interested in the terms because uh, there's remake, uh, there's a soft reboot, is what you said, or or a hard reboot. I mean, what's <laughs> the difference between all these? <laughs> what, what, what is the difference between all these things? You know, it, it gets a little uh, granular, and I don't know. I, a yeah. remake is just starting over, pretending the first movie never happened. And a reboot is we're starting the franchise off. The first one still happened, but it's not necessarily like a direct sequel. Yeah. Is my perception. But I don't think we're going to be too technical with what movies we pick this month. Sure, yeah. And and this one, though, uh, you call it a soft reboot. Um, how? I mean, I could see this also just being a remake. I mean, does this one imply that the first movie happened and this is... Sometime in the future? It does, yeah. I didn't even catch it, but you know when she's... I think there's some other stuff too, but at the beginning of the movie when her, the brother and sister kind of have their first chat, she's mm-hmm. sitting on this old rusted out car. Oh, yeah, right. That's Ash's car. Uh, I mean, it's the same make and model, but like you're saying <laughs> it, it was actually that dude's car? Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I mean, what you're saying, it could just be like a nod, but yeah, yeah. like that's literally his car. Uh, okay. It's just like been like second or third hand at that point. Yeah, it's just hanging out there. <laughs> it's a raccoon house. Got it, got it. All right, so there's some like continuity here. Continuity. Yeah. All right. And then some of the demons like say the same things, which again, some of it could just be seen as nods to the original, but yeah. the, uh, the director and writer, writer have said that it's a continuation. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I, I saw them say that a bit. 
Uh, but yeah, when, when I was watching it, I, I didn't really have that background, and I thought they were just nodding to the original one, and I thought it was kind of tasteful how they would do that from time to time. Right. But um, I, <laughs> I guess if the car is there, then that that the events have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we uh, demons cabin in the woods. Obviously, we just in real time, Ashwin and I just talked about the Evil Dead, even though that episode's probably a few weeks back now. Um, I'm I'm really glad uh, we we saw these kind of back to back. Yeah, it was fun, and I hadn't seen this since the theater. And dude, you know what I realized? This might be the only movie we've discussed on this podcast, a hundred and some episodes in, that we both saw in the theater together. Ah, no way, really? Yeah, man. I don't. A, I don't think we've seen that many movies, horror movies, in the theater together in person. Yeah. Well, obviously, in person, it's redundant, but um. Yeah, I mean, our time in Chicago didn't overlap for that long. And when we were were watching horror movies together, it was mostly VOD-type stuff. Right, right, yeah, like one of our places. Damn, I, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I, I can't think of another big one that came out during that time period that we would have gotten to see. Because we're talking about, like, two two years, maybe? Two or three years? Of us living in Chicago together? Yeah. I think it might have only been one. When did you move uh, there? Uh, 2011. When When did you leave there? Uh, I left for six months in 2012. Oh, yeah. Take the AT and then came back in like 2013. Yeah, I think it was maybe just a year or two. Okay. Year and yeah, a half, maybe you, even. Sorry, this is probably want... boring as shit for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think you're right. This is, yeah, probably the only one we've seen together in theaters. That's crazy. And when was the last time you and I saw each other in person? Like a year and a half ago or something? Um, yeah, I think you were in Chicago last summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's almost Damn. been. Yeah, a year and a half. Almost two. I know, yeah. Damn. Um, dude, did you realize this was Fede Alvarez's directorial debut? His feature uh, debut? I did. No, I, I, I didn't. I mean, he, he's done like some short films uh, in Uruguay, right? Right, yeah. So I was but, I was impressed that this was his first feature. It's a pretty impressive outing for the first I know, that's, that, that's amazing. He's only got like three movies though, right? Right, and then his second movie was Don't Breathe. Right. Have it was you also see- great. And have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. Have you not? Yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot, too. Yeah, yeah it's good. Jane he's, Levy he's re- goes through some shit for these movies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, he's he's a gay, really good director. I mean, like, uh, I, I mean, I heard, like, he wrote this movie um, not in English, and they had to bring someone in to kind of Americanize it. Or did he write it in English, and someone just had to come and, like... Uh, I don't know, make some tweaks here and there? I didn't understand if he wrote the script in Spanish and then it was trans... I think he wrote it in English, but, like, the dialogue just didn't really... It wasn't how English young adult dialogue would go. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was my my impression. And the script was revised by um, Diablo Cody. She wrote Juno and Jennifer's Body, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, that's where her name's for. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, I imagine it's like uh, me trying to write a movie in like Spanish or French, where it's like, yeah, you use like the proper uh, nouns or whatever, or like the formal. Uh, uh, what do you call those pronouns or whatever? Yeah, formal or informal. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's crazy. I mean, what, what an amazing uh, first uh, effort here. Yeah. Um, and this was done by Sam Raimi's production company. Him and Robert Tapert, I think, have this production company, Ghost House Pictures, mm-hmm. which sounded familiar, but I didn't realize they've 
they've done some, like they did The Grudge, both The Grudges. Oh, yeah. 30 Days of Night, Drag Me to Hell, The New Poltergeist, Don't Breathe, obviously. Yeah. And there's going to be a Don't Breathe 2. Right, yeah. And there's potentially going to be an Evil Dead uh, 2, like, follow-up to this, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like there was a bunch of different plans in the works at different periods of time on the future of this franchise. And at one point, it sounded like the plan was to do Army of Darkness 2 with Mia, oh, Jane Levy, and then another film where Mia teamed up with Ash. Interesting. Which would have been... I, I thought while I was watching this movie that I would... I would pay a lot of money to see Army of Darkness with Jane Levy in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of the original Army of Darkness, but if it's got Jane Levy, I'd, I'd, I'd jump on board with you there. Yeah, and I think they could remake that movie. I, I am a fan of Army of Darkness, but I think they could do that movie a lot of justice with a remake, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of, uh, I, I like the modernization that we saw here, so uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, it's interesting that Sam Raimi is more like in the producer seat these days. He's not directing at all anymore, is he? Um, I don't think he's directed anything recently. Yeah, I feel like we I just see his talked name. about this, and I already forget. Right. <laughs> no, I feel like I see his name more on these uh, as, as a producer, and then a lot of them are like these reboots or remakes, like The Poltergeist and The Grudge, and, and some other ones too. I think. Right. I, and he was a producer. Be... I think he has a production company under his own name too. So he was a producer oh. on Crawl, but not through Ghost House. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, Bruce Campbell, he's a part of Ghost Town. Um, you know what? He might be Ghost House. Ghost House. Oh yeah. Because he okay. was a producer on this, but I'm not sure if he's formally a part of Ghost House or not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did, was he was he in this movie? He was in a like a stinger at the very end of the credits. Did I you hang saw that. For that. I saw that, but I I didn't I didn't uh, and I, I kept watching the credits over and over again. But I don't know, maybe the version I was watching didn't have it. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, the credits like end completely, and then it's a dark screen, but you can see his silhouette. The, oh. Like his profile, and then he turns to the camera and says, "Groovy." Huh? Yeah, I didn't see. It. And did you rent this on Amazon? Um, I can't remember if it was Amazon or Apple. I think it was okay. Apple. Okay, I'm gonna try one more time after this and try to see that. Yeah. Um, I I thought he would be in it like throughout more. I guess. Gotcha. Nope. Just very end. I think yeah. some fans interpreted it as a way for him to give his seal of approval. Oh. <laughs> Nice, by saying groovy. Yeah, which is, a, that's a famous line from Evil Dead 2. Right, okay. And I think he says it again in Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it becomes his catchphrase at some point. Right. Okay. Um, not unlike many other movies we've seen, this was an NC-17 originally, and they had to make some cuts to get it to R. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was like a rated version and an unrated one. Uh, which one did you watch? I... Didn't realize I had any options, so I I think I watched the R. Yeah. But did you see an option on Prime? I did, yeah. There was an unrated and a rated, which, I mean, damn, man, even, like, the rated one is so gross and, like, gory. Like, what 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 was worse about the NC-17 one? Like, what did they <laughs> Yeah, that's what I have to wonder. So did you watch the rated one? Yeah, I must have watched the rated one, which I can't imagine anything more extreme. I wish I had known. I would have. I would have sought out the unrated. I didn't see that as an option, but I may not have looked very hard. Yeah. I know. I, I saw that it got a release on Blu-ray in 2018. The unrated version. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I don't really think I could do that. This is this is a pretty gory movie. <laughs> it's pretty gory. Yeah. I'm curious. I'd like to see it. <laughs> you don't have to, like, look away at all during these uh, movies? No, man. I Wow. I'm not uh, phased by gore that much. If yeah. I, I don't know if I ever was, but I'm sh- sure as heck I'm not now. Wow. Yeah, you got a strong I, stomach there. I'm more affected by, like, a scene itself or, like, the the pain I, the character might be going through. Like, something like this where it's... This movie wasn't comedic any in any way, no. but it was kind of a fun ride. Like, I can watch right. something like this over Martyrs. Yeah, yeah. Just because like it's when there's like... real drama and pain. Right. Um, that's when it's hard for me to watch, but... And I can't watch anything that's remotely real. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch someone, you know, stub their toe in real life, but in a fictional <laughs> movie, I'll see anything. Damn, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not like I faint at the sight of blood or anything, but I just, I don't like yeah. seeing people get hurt, obviously. <laughs> Unless, yeah, but if it's like a woman like slitting her tongue with a, a knife, you don't know. Right, forking her tongue, because that's so outrageous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it was really outrageous, but I don't know, that, that stuff, when I see it, it's just like, oh man, I have a tongue. I think I know what that might feel like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like some people out there might, who have gone through, I have not gone through childbirth, but been in the room, it kind of ups the ante. Oh, sure. <laughs> Anything you might see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to attend more childbirths. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I'm, I'm just here because I'm, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is research, for <laughs> Yeah, I just doing some research. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, there's some more background, but I feel like we could go roll into the spoilers unless you got anything else. Um, no, uh, yeah, n- nothing else. Uh, I, th- I think, yeah, we hit, we hit it on the main ones. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I mean, obviously outside of uh, Jessica Lucas, like, should we spend like an hour talking about her? <laughs> You're a fan? She was in Cloverfield. I know, right? And, and I She feel looked like... so familiar and I didn't realize it. Yeah, I remember seeing her in Cloverfield, and then uh, as soon as I said she came on the screen here, I was like, "Holy shit, that's where she went!" And like, she still looks amazing. Like, I, I don't know why she isn't in more films or stealing more uh, hearts. Surprising. You've got a type. I'm starting to piece it together. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's coming together. You can just like look at who I follow on Instagram, and I think I complete the picture. <laughs> and speaking of Instagram, I don't think she has as many followers as some of the other ones. So. Um, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, I'm saying there might be a chance. She did get engaged, uh, I guess, like two, three years ago. But um, I didn't see any f- wedding photos yet. And uh, I'm sure maybe the quarantines put a pause on that as well. Sure. All right. Yeah. It's right, chance. That's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, we didn't talk about uh, money. This had a budget of $17 million and box office, box office of $97 million. Mm-hmm. So a pretty good return. Yeah, that's a pretty successful film. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Ohio Connection from our good friend Alex. Um, yeah. The main character, Mia Allen, is played by Jane Levy. And in 2011, she played the best friend role in a Nickelodeon produced teen comedy, Fun Size. Mm-hmm. And watching the trailer, the film seems like an overly overtly PG 13 version of Superbad with female leads on Halloween night. The movie was set and primarily filmed in Cleveland, Ohio, with various references to the city throughout the film. 
Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Does uh, It doesn't sound like... You think we didn't see it? No. No, he's... No, okay. I think he said he was just trying to watch the trailer to get an idea. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice one. Yeah. I'm a I, Jane I, Levy fan, man. You like her? Yeah. I think she's my yeah. Jessica Lucas in this movie. Nice, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's she's a great actress. Uh, you're really capable of, like, holding up uh, roles, I guess, like, between this and Don't Breathe. Have you seen her yeah. or anything else? Um... No, not really. I was always curious about that show, Suburgatory, that she was in, but I never really saw it. Oh, okay. I never heard about that one. Yeah. It was like 2011. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. She's she's an American actress, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. As far as I know. Yeah, I think my girl Jessica might be Canadian. I'll have to oh, yeah, that. you're right. You're right. She is. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, man. Well, uh, let's talk about the plot and drop some spoilers. Um, you mind holding on for a second? I'm feeling kind of sick. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. I'll be right back. All right, man. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, you feeling any better? I do feel better. I just barfed up a whole bunch of blood. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's because <laughs> so I've been trying to cut back my coffee consumption, and I'm just in withdrawal. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. That's that's like one of the first things uh, I think that happens when you cut out coffee. Yep. <laughs> Your girl, Jessica Lucas, played a nurse in this movie, but just kept thinking that Mia was psychotic after she barfed like gallons <laughs> of blood into like... her face. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, you know, I think for, for a part of the movie, uh, I thought they were going with, like, there are all these parallels between being possessed by a demon and going cold turkey off of drugs, which I, I guess up until that puking blood part, uh, you don't think that's a, a symptom at all of, of, like, quitting drugs? Barfing gallons of blood onto your yeah. friend's face? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never gone through withdrawal from a hardcore drug, but I'm going to guess no. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, this takes us back to the conversation on uh, what what was that other movie uh, about? Oh, Bliss. Like, oh. was she <laughs> was she a vampire? Was oh, she just God. on Here drugs? Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. Drugs do some crazy things. One of <laughs> which may or may not be uh, you puke a bunch of blood. I mean, until we we do this stuff, we're not going to know. I, th- I think we just have to get into it. All right. Next time we see each other in person, hardcore drugs. Followed by a, a movie at the theater together. It'll be a Patreon episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll test this out. <laughs> uh, okay, man. Um, so, the movie starts off with a girl who's captured in the woods, and then essentially tied to a pole in some cellar. And you're wondering, like, what are they going to do to this poor girl? And it's her father who's kind of instigating it. And then she says, I will rip your soul out, daddy. So you understand that she is possessed and he burns her alive, like attached to this uh, pole in the cellar. And, and go ahead. Oh, and he also like shoots her with a shotgun, right? Oh, yep. Yeah. As she's burning, he shoots her head and it explodes. Um, This movie supposedly did not have much CGI at all, but this looked CGI to me. 
when oh, she was really? possessed. Uh, when, when like she was on fire or you mean like when she like kind of acted like a demon? I think when she was acting like a demon, but she also may have been on fire by the time she was acting like a demon. So maybe it was just the flames that were CGI that were making me think her possession was CGI too. Yeah, I think I read there was like minimal CGI and and I thought one of the things was like the fire flames or whatever. Right, it's Uh, true, yeah. Somebody might have bled over. Yeah. Uh, Man, this this opening though, I I thought like this is one of the best uh, openings I've seen in a movie. Um, Yeah, it works, man. It was a good hook. It, It was impressive and intense. Yeah intense you got like this twist because like you're thinking like this girl's getting kidnapped from the woods and being dragged into this basement and being killed i i almost thought like this was kind of like a witch hunt thing where um you know she's been convicted of being a witch and they're gonna kill her and then like suddenly she like turns and becomes like this devil and just like to have a twist like within like the first five minutes in, in your opening um I, I i don't i don't feel like i've seen that in a lot of movies yeah yeah that was cool yeah enjoyed that um so then we, we do the title sequence and head to our main story, which is all these friends meeting up at a cabin, and they're here because their friend Mia is trying to quit drugs cold turkey, and they're here to support her and get her through the withdrawal. It's some of her friends and her brother, who's kind of estranged. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I think they lost contact when their mom died, and it sounds like their mom was going through some sort of... Um, like Alzheimer's or dementia or something as she was dying. Mm -hmm. And her brother essentially stuck Mia with, not stuck Mia with her mom, but like wasn't there to help as Mia took care of her mom for like a year as she kind of lost it and and died. Yeah. And since then it kind of sounds like Mia's like been an addict or like has has tried to kick it once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. One of her friends tells her brother that she literally died from an OD one time and they had to like bring her back. What, what did you think? Because this is like a huge difference from the first film in terms of you just have like four random teenagers in the first one who come to this. and But like this one, you're already starting out with like all this baggage of like past relationships and um, like that emotional weight. What, did, did you appreciate that? I did, because even though I love The Evil Dead, as we talked about in that episode, there really isn't too much backstory or depth to the characters. Yeah. I thought this was a nice touch, and I'd also put a layer on top of it of like, hey, Mia's going crazy, but it's just the withdrawal symptoms. Right, right. So it yeah. gives you that buffer where the characters could realistically not be immediately like something is very wrong here. I know. I know. That was pretty smart on their part, I guess, to have both of those factors going on at once. Right. Because like in the original of The Evil Dead, a woman like levitates and speaks in a demon, demon voice, and they're like, what's yeah. wrong with her? <laughs> I think she's just getting off drugs or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to talk later on if if the, uh, she, you think she was actually possessed or if this is drugs. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, they're here at this cabin, and Mia is insisting this whole time that she smells something, and they all think it's just because she's going with, through withdrawal. But then finally, their dog, the brother's dog, starts digging, scratching at this rug in the middle of the room, and they remove the rug and find a hatch to a basement, and there's this bloody like, path to the hatch that looks like a dead, bleeding body has been drugged to the hatch. They go down there, and they find a bunch of dead animals hugging from the ceiling and, a like, a post where somebody would, like, the post is burned, leading you to assume this is where we saw the hook take place. Mm-hmm. Um, they find the book, Naturum Demento, which is essentially the book of the dead from the first one. Um... 
And one of the guys who's her friend and used to be good friends with David, the brother, too, but is, like, kind of pissed at David the whole time. Like, he's not... He's pretty bitter about the fact that David just ditched everybody. Yeah. Um, he is kind of messing with the book. Like, you see shots of him alone in one of the rooms, just cu- really curious about the book. And he, all over the book, it's like, leave this book alone, don't say it, don't write it, don't hear it. But he scratches, he, like, scribbles on a pencil to shade in, to get a uh, silhouette of these letters that have been scratched out by somebody. And so he gets the incantation there on the page and reads it aloud, of course. <laughs> aloud, like, to himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... Mia, this unleashes something, and Mia keeps seeing it in the woods. And it's kind of like a demonic version of her that she's seeing, it seems. Yeah, I, I thought it was like uh, some other girl, but yeah, I, I guess it was supposed to be like uh, some version of uh, Mia. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I still am not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read that it's supposed to be a version of Mia? Yeah, I did. Okay, all right, cool. Um so she's kind of insisting to them that something's not right and there's something in the woods. They, of course, assume it's her withdrawal. And she tries to essentially steal the car and drive away. She sees a girl or a demon in the road and swerves off, crashes the car, tries to, like, get out of the car and run. And the trees attack her. And Ashvin, if you remember <laughs> in our episode on the original, we were like, no, they, they don't. I'm sure they don't do the tree rape scene <laughs> yeah. in the new one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was thinking well, of you sh- at this part. <laughs> yeah. They, they sure do. I'm yeah. glad you were thinking of me as you saw this. Yeah, anytime I see a tree rape happening, I just think of you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Brian's up to. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy, because, yeah, I, I thought uh, we, like, agreed, like, ah, there's no way this uh, carried over into, like, the new film. But uh, I guess, I guess, I don't know, like, th- this was a little more tastefully done than the original in terms yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, there is no nudity, no nudity, yeah, and and even like how it goes into her, I feel like uh, in the original there's like a, a branch that's like uh, that, that that that's doing it. In this one, it's kind of more like the the stuff that she pukes up, right? Like that the the demon girl pukes up that goes into her, right? The demon girl pukes up the thing that almost looks like a combination of a snake and a tree branch or something like a oh, vine okay. that goes yeah. into her, but it's it also goes into her. A lot less forcefully than in the original. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, I think it's it's probably also like a quicker shot versus the original. Right, right. Um, so she is now possessed, and we get a great scene. I think this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie where she's locked herself up in the room, and her brother goes in there, and she's just like, we need to get out of here. Like, yeah. This is real. And it reminded me of that Blair Witch scene with the woman crying and, like, snot in the camera. Oh, yeah, with her, like, nose dripping. Yeah, just, like, that wasn't really happening to Mia, but it's just, like, the pure, raw authenticity of this scene. Like, right. I thought Jen, Jane Levy did a really good job, and it, it was creepy. Yeah, yeah, that desperation that I need to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and we also see, like, the first glimpse of her, like, when she looks at the mirror of, like, a kind of a scary version of her. Right, yep. Um, and the char- other characters are starting to catch on that something is a- amiss as well because David finds his dog dead with a bloody hammer next to it. And he goes to confront Mia about it, and she's in the shower, won't let anybody in. 
And then they break in there, and the water is... She's turned the water scalding hot and is burning herself and having a seizure as, like, second and third degree burns are bubbling up on her skin. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, that was pretty insane. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that kind of adds some suspense to things as we go is that Eric, the high school teacher buddy who's bitter with uh, David and obsessed with the book, he's periodically, like, consulting the book, and he'll see images in the book before it actually happens. Yeah, Right. So we've seen an image of a in the book of a woman pouring a bucket of scalding water on herself. Yeah, I really hated this Eric guy. Like he he read it out loud to himself, even though it like said don't read this out loud. And then yeah, he's like kind of fact checking as they're going along and like not really telling anyone. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a frustrating character. And he's dating Jessica Lucas. Like what the fuck, man? Yeah, as I said, he's a frustrating character. Yeah. Uh, for you at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he throws her in the car. It's got to drive her to the hospital. And as they're driving out of there, it's pouring rain and the bridge has washed out. It's pouring rain here right now, actually. This is a nice time to record this episode. Oh, interesting. Um, it's not bloody rain. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Yeah. So the bridge is washed out and he like gets out and looks at it and looks back at the car and she like kind of regain consciousness, regains consciousness and smiles at him. With, like, the white stuff dripping from her mouth. Yeah, yep. So that was pretty creepy. Yeah. And then as they get back to the house, they're trying to figure out what to do, and she comes out with a shotgun and shoots her brother in the shoulder. And this demon wind comes into the cabin, and you hear this demon voice saying, one by one we will take you. And the Mm -hmm. wind is blowing, everyone's screaming, and then everything just stops, and calmly Mia just says, you were all going to die tonight, which I thought was a great, great scene, great line. Yeah. Hey, when Executed she says that, well. when she says that, it's in like that dual voice, right? Right. You hear her voice and a demon voice underneath it. Right. Yeah, I like that effect. And then uh, she barfs a whole bunch of blood into Olivia's face and mouth. As people who are getting off of heroin often do. <laughs> Um, I noticed that there's always an exchange of liquids, and I think exclusively blood, that, that gets people possessed in this movie. Yeah, I was trying to track the logic on like how it's spread, and yeah, that, that kind of seems to be the trend, is like you get blood in orifices, and that's how right. it's spread. Yep. Because uh, I think we were trying to piece it together in the original and couldn't quite figure out. Yeah, this one's a little more consistent, I guess, in the methodology. Yeah. Um. So now Olivia is possessed too. Nobody knows it yet. They lock Mia in the cellar, just like they locked Cheryl, Ash's sister, in the cellar in the original one. And so Ash is kind of, we can, we'll talk about it more, the character of Ash is kind of split in this movie between David and Mia. Huh. Like, How? Mia's kind of the main character, but so is David, and David's the one in the same situation as Ash. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would have thought David more because he's uh, the one that's not possessed and, right. and trying to go. But yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like didn't uh, in in the original one did didn't Ash have a sister that was there with them as well? Right. Yeah. I mean, so David really he is the parallel to Ash, but I, it still feels like me as the main character. It, it felt like that for for the beginning, but I kind of feel like at this point the movie transitions and uh, it becomes more about uh, David, right? Right. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, Mia's locked in the cellar for a good chunk of the second act here. Right. Um, so they lock her in the cellar. 
Olivia goes off to the bathroom. I think she sees a demon face of herself in the mirror, and then the mirror breaks. Mm-hmm. And you see a shot of the book flip open to a page all on its own, and that page is an illustration of someone cutting their skin off. Oh, right, yeah. Which I got tense about. I mean, I knew the scene was coming, but it's hard not to become tense when you've just seen a mirror shatter into a bunch of shards, and then you see a woman, an image of someone cutting their own skin off. Yeah. So, Olivia, I think Eric is Olivia's boy. Oh, yeah, we said that. Right. Eric goes into the bathroom to check on her, and as he's getting closer to the bathroom, you can hear this sound that essentially sounds like someone carving a raw turkey with a dull knife, just like Uh, a back and forth. Yeah. Um, And he gets in there, and Olivia can't really see her face. She's sitting on the floor, and she turns around to reveal that she's cutting her own, she's cut her own cheek off with this knife. Or a piece yeah. of the shattered mirror. Yeah, that was so gross, he, man. Yeah, he like backs up in shock and slips on her cheek that's on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a big battle ensues there. She stabs him with a shard of the mirror and lifts shoulder, her chest, uh, puts a, like a hypodermic needle in his eye, uh, or just below his eye, I guess. And then he ends up bludgeoning her to death on the head with a chunk of the sink or the toilet lid or something like that yeah man that this uh, whole attack scene and like this sequence uh i thought it was, this was like really messed up and compared to mia i thought we saw more of um olivia's like transformation because there's a moment before she goes into the uh bathroom where like she's suddenly like something like something grabs her and she like right. pees herself oh yeah i forgot that yeah peeing yourself what? is someone peeing themselves is scary yeah yeah I, I, what, what did you make? Like, what was happening there? Because, like, the camera just, like, kind of stopped on her waist, and she was, like, stuck there, and then I guess that was her, like, getting possessed? I, yeah, I think it's just to imply she no longer has control of her body. Like, that I, happened in The Exorcist, too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. There's a shot yeah. in It Follows that's similar, too. Oh, okay. I think maybe what's scary about that is just, it's scary. Like, as we talked about in the original, it's scary, and especially scary to me, the thought of someone you know, like, not being who they are anymore or losing control of themselves. Yeah. And someone's peeing themselves, and they, I think that's scary to think that you might be them or that someone you know might just have no control of their body. (laughs) It's like uh, the teenage years all over again, right? Kids growing up, your friends aren't who they used to be. Yeah. (laughs) They're just adults peeing their pants all the time now. Yeah, not controlling Staying out late, peeing their pants. Exactly. The new crowd. <laughs> yeah, um, man. <laughs> and that, I think that's a little bit of uh, that fear is paralleled in the backstory between David and Mia and her mom essentially turning into a different person or being, you know, oh. right. not and really I, I, being all there anymore. Yeah. And that's like one other thing for David uh, when they're like, when, when like later they're trying to convince him that like Mia's possessed. He's like tying it's like how his mother deteriorated mentally and thinks it's like more of something like that. So it's it's so interesting the parallels they draw between like if what she's going through is uh, from the drugs or or from like you know mental health stuff. It's it's kind of interesting. And it motivates David too because he wasn't there for her when his mom was losing control and right now he needs to be there. Like this is how he can make it right by being here for her as she's going through this. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty smart. That, that layer of, uh, like, emotional uh, motive there. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, a few missteps aside, I think it's a good script and a good story. Yeah, yeah, right. T- ties a lot um, of things. Yeah. So we continue through the group. Um, Mia speaks in her normal voice from the basement. The basement hatch has been flung open somehow. And she lures Natalie, David's girlfriend, her brother, Mia's brother, David's girlfriend, into the basement where she bites her on the hand and then forks her own tongue with a knife and then kisses her with this bloody tongue. Yeah. And I think David or Eric manages to rescue Natalie from from the basement and shut Mia back down there. But Natalie is convinced that her bite is infecting her. Mm -hmm. And she gets the idea to cut her own arm off. And Mia from the basement is, you know, she's got the hatch partially open, but it's chained shut, is shouting at her and pleading at her not to do it. Yeah. But she does so with like an electric uh, turkey. What do you call those things? Yeah, it was like a like meat I think carving was, knife. Yeah, a carving knife. Uh, I, I man, I was so. Uh, I think they foreshadowed that earlier on when they showed her cutting like some steak with that. Right, and yep, it was like a, a juicy, bloody steak. Uh, so yeah, yep. that, that was rough. So yeah, she cuts her own arm off, and you see most of it happen as she's doing it. I mean, you might have seen it. I, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and really great practical effects. Yeah. Um, and she shorts the power with by using this electric uh, carver, carving knife. Yeah. And it kind of becomes apparent, apparent that it, it didn't matter. She was going to get possessed either way, and Mia just essentially wanted her. She was fake pleading with her not to do it. She just wanted her to cut her own arm off. Yeah. I totally thought like she like somehow evaded it, but yeah, yeah. I guess not. So... Um, Eric and David then walk into the kitchen and see her with her arm hanging by a thread and then it falls off and plops onto the floor. Yeah. And she just says in like a very matter of fact, like innocent voice, like, no, no, I I had to do it. I I feel much better now. (laughs) Which is just, this woman specifically, I remembered it from the first viewing and it's the same in this one. She creeps me out more than anything else. Natalie does? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting that like... her cutting her own arm off and then just proceeding through the movie without it. <laughs> just being so cool about it. Yeah. I know. yeah. Um, I, I felt like up until this point, uh, she was really being shafted in terms of the script and like dialogue. Like you barely saw her and she never talked. Most of the dialogue was between uh, Mia and Olivia and, and the brother and Eric. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like we barely had any uh, conversation with this one. Yeah, she wasn't a very prominent character. Right. Um, she eventually comes back though, uh, and she's got a nail gun and she's shooting at Derek or David and Eric with it. And Eric is really put through the ringer in this movie. He just yeah. like gets stabbed <laughs> with the glass, gets the needle under his eye, yeah. gets a whole bunch of nails in him during this scene. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it, right? For reading that book. Uh, yeah, he does. He sure <laughs> does. <laughs> Kind of brought it all on them. Hey, did you think uh, Natalie with her arm off, was that paying tribute to, in the first one, uh, doesn't one of them, one of the demons um, lose their hand or something or break it off? Yeah, she gnaws her own hand off. I think some of the injuries here did parallel. Like even um, Scotty, he gets his eyes gouged and then, uh, and stabbed by a branch and Eric Gets oh. that needle right under his eye and stabbed with the shard of glass. I, I don't know if that's for sure, but some yeah. of the injuries seem to parallel or 
yeah be callbacks sure yeah yeah um so david eventually bests demon natalie with a shotgun and after he shoots her with the shotgun she like becomes her normal self again and this scene really gets me because she's just like stumbling about looking at both of her like arms which are now both missing because i think he shot one of them off (laughs) and she just goes david why are you hurting me? Yeah. And like stumbles into his arms on the floor and just bleeds out and dies. Yeah. It was, it was like haunting and tragic to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I thought like she was like the perfect actress for that in terms of like her delivery. Uh, right. Yeah, saying it like in like a sweet voice. Though I thought that was like the demon just kind of taunting him, but I guess it was actually her, right? Right. I don't know if it was the demon taunting or just her. She had come back to her senses. The demon had left her body. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's the thing. So there's this creepy element that the people you love could turn, but then there's this added element that you could then put them out of their misery and maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. Right, yeah. Like or, they were still in there. It really messes with your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Eric, who's been reading the book this whole time, explains to David that basically these people who are possessed, and, well, and especially Mia because she's kind of the source she needs to be purified either by a live burial, bodily dismemberment, or burning, like burning her entirely. Mm-hmm. So they apply this to the other girls, and they incinerate Olivia's body, they dismember Natalie, and their plan is to burn down the cabin with Mia locked in the basement. Wait, I totally don't remember them doing that to uh, Olivia and uh, um, Natalie. They did that? You know what, man? As I'm reading that right now, I'm like, I don't remember that either. But it was in the Wikipedia plot <laughs> summary. But yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, I thought they yeah. just let them left them be. Yeah, I don't remember them going back to their bodies. I feel like I would have noticed. Maybe that's in some of the deleted scenes or something. Sure, like in the unrated version, potentially. Or somebody who just filled out this plot summary got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For the record, I don't just grab these from Wikipedia word for word. I just use them to pick up things I may have missed. Yeah, same. Um, looks, looks like we both missed this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Eric, I think it's maybe Eric who also explains it. At some point we learn that a quote in the book is, once he feasts on five souls, the sky will bleed again and the abomination will rise from hell. Yep, I think it's Eric. Um, yeah. So David's in there spraying some pouring some gasoline on the floor, and then he hears Mia singing this childhood song that their mother used to sing to them. And he's like, okay, like I can't do this. I can't just kill her, so he's going to try burying her alive. So he puts a plastic bag over her head, which I think was so that she wouldn't get dirt in her mouth. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I'm skipping something here. He actually he goes downstairs to try to like tranquilize her so that he can bury her alive. Right. And there's a fight sequence between him and her in the basement. I think Eric comes to save the day, but then gets fatally stabbed down there. Yeah. I, I love this scene, like the way she was moving in the water. Like it, it's almost like her legs weren't moving. She was just like coming at him. Right. Yeah. I couldn't decide how I felt about that. It got a little bit of some of the horror and the possessions here got a little bit of the uh, like post 2000s twitchy horror vibe for oh. me. Yeah. I think I remember you calling that out like an it, right? Yeah. Yeah, like quick cuts and audio stings. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not against that, but sometimes it just I get a little jaded. <laughs> it's like they're cheating. 
Yeah. I hear you. Um, so they're down there. They're fighting. Eric saves him but gets stabbed, and as he's dying, he's kind of like, I missed you, man. Like, he's been a jerk to David the whole time, but he's <laughs> kind of reveals just his feelings are hurt that David ditched him. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you can all assume, if you haven't seen this movie, Eric is going to come back later, and I think it's because he got stabbed with the knife that she had used to fork her tongue. Oh, that's why. Okay, I couldn't figure that out. Right, so it's got her blood on it. That's yeah. my assumption. Okay. I couldn't figure it out either, and then in the shower the other day it dawned on me. <laughs> Normal shower thoughts. Yeah, as I was forking my own tongue as I do every day in the shower. <laughs> um, so he ends up getting the upper hand on her and sedating her, dragging her outside. And as he's burying her, she just looks over at him and in her normal voice goes, why do you hate me, David? I know mother hates you now and she waits for you in hell, which was a bit of the taunting that we see in the original. Yeah. It's super scary when like they're doing it in their own voice. It is. It's disturbing. Yeah. It's yeah, disturbing kinda... when they switch back and forth. Yeah. It almost like, it's almost like they're pulling the supernatural element out of it. And now you just have like this person you thought you knew and loved and, and they're just like not them at all. Right. Taunting right. you. Uh, so he does bury her, and then it's kind of like something in the air shifts, or maybe the wind dies down, and he feels like the fact that she's not possessed anymore. And uh, he digs her up, unless there's something I missed there of how he knew it was safe to dig her up now. There was this tree that was on fire that suddenly stopped being on fire. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. I'm not sure if that was a sign that uh, the devil was gone. Right. Um. So anyway, he gets her out and revives her with this defibrillator that he's created himself from, I think, a car battery. Mm-hmm. And they imply that he's a mechanic, so oh, adds right. a little bit of credibility, <laughs> an ounce of credibility. Yeah. Um, and she comes back, and she's her again, and they have like kind of a, a nice reuniting, and they're going to get the hell out of there. He goes back into the cabin because he's realized he's forgotten the car keys. And, of course, he is attacked by demon Eric. And David now locks Mia out of the cabin, like, as his way of making it right. Like, you go on and I'll I'll stay. And he blows up the cabin by shooting a gas can. And it's already covered in gas in there, so. Hey, and in this whole sequence when Mia has come back, um, did you feel like, were you convinced that she was cured and uh, that she wasn't possessed anymore? Or were you like, it was a part of you still thinking that maybe she's still under the spell and just acting? A part of me, at least when I saw it the first time, thought she was still under the spell. How about you? Yeah, same. I, I was like, yeah, it couldn't be that easy where you just bury someone and then bring them back to life and they're, they're fine. That seems pretty right. easy. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty difficult. You had to rig up a defibrillator. That's true. You needed a mechanic there. You need a mechanic. Yeah. Um, right. And she is. She seems, appears to be, unless you've got some, some crazy <laughs> theory, it does seem that she's back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's now outside this burning cabin, and as in the prophecy, the rain turns into blood. Um, and I think this is because, so they say this happens once he, I guess he being the devil, feasts on five souls. And there were only four of them of the five that got possessed, but I'm guessing maybe the fifth was the woman in the hook at the beginning of the movie. Oh, I thought it was uh, D- 
David because he's dead now. But yeah, the, I mean, he killed himself. So I, I was wondering, like, that shouldn't have counted. I guess I forgot about the woman in the beginning. And yeah, I'm not sure if David or or Mia is the one that counts towards the soul feasting. But uh, right. But I think either way, you got to have that. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe both of them. It could be both of them since David died, and and then it yeah, happened. Right? Almost died. Yeah, because otherwise uh, you would have had five, right? Because you had Mia, you had Eric, you had uh, the other two, and then you had that girl at the beginning. All at I mean, like that would have happened then earlier on, right? Right. Yeah. And I, th- I would guess that David dying from natural causes means that soul is unfeastable. Uh, yeah, I would have assumed too. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somehow some math uh, worked here. Unfe- if we ever start a metal band, I'm going to call it Unfeastable Souls. <laughs> I like it. Can't feast on this one. <laughs> and so the abomination uh, comes forth. So it's essentially this, it seems like a woman who emerges from the ground and it was modeled upon the uh, cover art of the original movie. Mm-hmm. Which, that was a nice touch. Yeah, that was really cool. Hey, what's the deal with the abomination? I mean, like, uh, is that supposed to be like the the devil or something? I yeah, I don't know if it was the devil or like head de- boss demon or or what. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't sure what like because uh, yeah, it was it was hyped up the whole movie and and like this uh, abomination finally shows up, and I was was it like a was it supposed to look like Mia at all? I don't think so. It, that's what I was trying to figure out. I don't think it was Mia. Okay. Just some other kind um, of creature. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Right. So this demon, the abomination is now in, in chase with Mia. Um, Mia crawls into this shed and grabs a chainsaw to fight back. And she's hiding under the ca- a car, I guess Ash's old car. Um, or maybe the car they, they came in. And the demon like throws the car up into the air. Uh, or like tilts it on its side to make it fall over. Mia's trying to escape and gets her hand crushed underneath the car. And she can't reach the chainsaw and makes a choice to tear her own hand off um, so that she can get the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool and a nod to uh, Evil Dead 2. Oh, a similar thing happens? Um, well, Ash loses his hand and then puts a chainsaw onto his hand. Oh, okay, okay. So not right. quite the same thing, but, you know. Yeah. Enough of the elements are there to to honor that scene. Sure. Um, so she then gets the chainsaw, and there's this is a really badass scene um, in my mind. She's the demon's like, "I will feast on your soul," and then Jane Levy says, "Feast on this motherfucker," and shoves the chainsaw into its mouth. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and this is just such a cool shot because you see there's this blood rain pouring down. The cabin's burning in the background, and Jane Levy's just like flailing this chainsaw. Yeah, and this demon is just like flopping around like a fish on the end of the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, this is like some seventy, eighty thousand gallons of uh, fake blood they used, right? Yeah, they purportedly used seventy thousand gallons of fake blood right. for the movie. Fifty thousand in this scene alone. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. I thought this was a badass scene. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a really cool climax. Yeah. Um. And then the corpse of the demon sinks into the ground, into the mud, and the rain stops, and Mia stumbles away into the woods. And it's kind of daylight now, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Daylight starts filling in, and they, the, the last shot's like the book is still lying there. Right, right. Which, Waiting like, for the next group of kids. 
yeah, that that part really bothers me. Like, who left this book in the basement, and now like she's leaving it there again? Like, I I don't know. Are people not just kind of realizing maybe hide this book somewhere, or like maybe bury it or something? Well, they tried to burn it, and it didn't it didn't burn. Oh, uh, not burn it, bury it, like in oh, the underground or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Just hide it. Yeah, it just seems like something you wouldn't want uh, lying around. Yeah. They did a poor job of trying to hide it by just putting it in a basement and covering up the hatch with a rug. <laughs> no one will ever find it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't clean up the blood. It's fine. The rug yeah. is there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody cleans a rug. Yeah. <laughs> it's unheard of. Um, so what do you think of this movie? Uh, man, it was, it was just like, it was so gross, obviously. Uh, but I thought even like all the effects and uh, the visuals, uh, it was really well done. I mean, like for, for not using that much CGI, all the practical effects, like this is one of the goriest movies, but so well done that it's hard to to like, you know, use that against it. And then, yeah, I loved the, the extra emotional layer they put on here with the background story and the context. And I thought it gave the characters a lot more and different motivations that like when you're up against this type of horror, you have like so many now, uh, so many like new variables at play now, which the original didn't have. And it, it just kind of felt like the original amped up to like this new level of like a what like a modern horror film should be. I did kind of miss some of the um, outlandish stuff from their first film, but outside of that, I, I thought it was pretty solid. What, what about you? What, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was outlandish in its own way, but I appreciated that it didn't go try to go comedic with things and stuck to what I really loved about the original. The first time I saw it and on rewatch is that it is relentless and just yeah. goes places that some movies aren't willing to go. Like the things that you see here, how much they show mm-hmm. and how much a character or demon endures before they're finally dispatched. Like, yeah, it was cool. It was effective. It, it made for a wild ride. It did. Yeah. Hey, one one thing I, know, I remember you brought up in the first one is you kind of liked the pacing where uh, it gets... Uh, she gets possessed, but then they're, they're like slow parts in between before like the action amps up again. Whereas this one, uh, it does, doesn't it feel like this one just gets like really amped up and intense, like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes in and stays at that. I kind of actually feel that way with both of them. Yeah. That they both kind of like stay at like a level 10. Yeah. I mean, they, they both have peaks and valleys, but the valleys are short. Yeah. Yeah. And quick. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's how a horror movie should be, uh, to yeah, keep the adrenaline going. Right. Um, um, oh, I, my, I think my least favorite thing about it was that I wish Jane Levy was in it more. Yeah, yeah. You would you would liked to see like like uh like to have seen her be like more of a main character. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the acting was good all around, but she was far and away the best actor. I thought, mm-hmm. and her story was the most compelling to me. I, but, but then, like, how do you make, like, the Ash character get possessed? Right, yeah, that's kind of... You know? And I thought it was cool that you see the main character get possessed and then switch back. But it, yeah. if you're going to do that, then you essentially do have to switch to another main character. Right, to carry the film for that portion. Right. Yeah, I, I liked that, because uh, it kind of gave the the movie some space to move to, like, another character, so you're not, like, just hanging out with one the whole time. Um, right. I, I thought it was a good handoff. But yeah, I agree. I mean, like, she's a great actress, and... Um, I, I thought she did well both as like the demon and as like a non-demon, um, and then also as like a recovering uh, addict. I thought that was pretty right. Good. Yeah, because she had to she had to act a lot of different ways in this. Yeah, yeah, she did well. That's, that's quite quite a range. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so did you, you still kind of felt like, uh, so where I feel like the original was more comedic in terms of like, um, just being, uh, I, there's a different level of comedy with the first one versus this one, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I complained about in the first one, so many people think of that movie as funny, but I don't think it's really funny. Like yeah. it's outlandish and extreme, but I don't think it's necessarily funny. Yeah. Um, maybe zany. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's anything like that in this. I think it was so dark and gory and sinister. Like it just felt more sinister than the original. Oh yeah. Right. So the outlandish stuff, like someone slipping on a cheek may have felt funnier or zanier in the first one, but it was just gross and intense and yeah. scarier in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, like a uh, demon chewing off their own hand can be funny. Mm-hmm. to an extent but then like a woman cutting off her own arm and then saying like why are you hurting me is right. <laughs> a little too intense to be to be funny yeah 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 it's crazy like how much scarier and like more effective uh, this one is as much as i do think this one is like scarier in a lot of ways the demons themselves didn't scare me as much oh mm-hmm. i think it's just because the originals portrayal of the demons like the way they looked to me was so original and yeah the way these demons looked kind of just seemed like what we've seen in the past 10 to 20 years of horror movies that's true yeah um so i didn't i wasn't as genuinely disturbed just by the appearance and actions of the possessed yeah that's a really good point like in the um, original when someone just gets like lifelessly lift, levitates into the air and says something in a creepy voice with those white contacts, like that's right. creepier to me. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's a really good point because, yeah, I mean, like Olivia and Natalie, like when they get possessed or even Eric, like those scenes don't really stick with you the way the some of the zombies, or not the zombies, but the, the possessed uh, demons in the first one. Uh, those visuals, I feel like, like that, that woman uh, who uh, kind of like looks like a clown at one point in the first one. Right. Uh, they're like, yeah, so those those were more like uh, Im- images that kind of haunt you versus these ones. Yeah, like there's no, like the gore effects were great in this, but the makeup effects weren't as interesting. Like yeah. there's no makeup effect in this movie that's nearly as scary as just like, yeah, that clown. Right. Clown appearance of, of Cheryl. Yeah. And then even, uh, so one of the things I missed from the first one was uh, like that card scene, like those kind of slow, subtle giveaways that someone's possessed. I feel like right. this one just kind of jumps like the extreme, like, yo, this person's like really messed up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It happened kind of fast. It, it wasn't, I mean, it happens fast in the first one too, but it wasn't quite as interesting of a reveal. Yeah. Yeah. This one kind of uh, revealed it quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, w- w- would you say like they did the, did ju- the whole franchise justice? I think so, man. I think the relentlessness, if I can like boil down, not to sound repetitive, what I love about the original, it's the, uh, the relentlessness of it. And boy, I think this one had this in spades. Yeah. And I think they did enough nods to some like Evil Dead 2 stuff, just certain lines or certain scenes that, yeah. that it pleased some of the fans as well. Mm-hmm. There may There's probably other callbacks and nods that we didn't even pick up on, but... Right. But yeah, I think it really did the franchise justice. How about you? Yeah. yeah I mean, from what I've seen, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought they kind of took a great concept, uh, dialed up the production value, made it... I, I thought it was it was pretty scary, but yeah, maybe in a different way, not like as interesting of uh, demons, but um, obviously a lot gorier and like the suspense was really well laid out, uh, characters well developed. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought it was, it was a really good addition to the franchise. 
Yeah. You know what I was thinking, man? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back to bringing up that book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Uh-huh. Many episodes back, I talked about how she mentioned something in the book of a theme in horror movies of the female body being put on the line so that the male psyche can be put on the line. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, like we talked about it in Poltergeist, maybe. And you really see that in both of these movies. Like David is psychologically tormented that he's got this painful past and this thing he regrets and he might be like repeating it now. Mm hmm. Um, right. And he's seeing his sister go through something and his girlfriend go through something, but the women are the ones whose bodies really do the suffering or die or become possessed. Yeah, get yeah. dismembered. Aside from um, Eric, who who takes a beating as well, but he kind of like takes a heroic beating, right? More so than the women. Yeah, yeah. There's like a difference, and I I, I know like we we call that out in the first one too that. Yeah, the women are kind of getting beaten up in this and, and not so much the men. Uh, and it, I think we kind of figured it was the time uh, like of when it was shot in the 80s. But like, yeah, th- that, that was kind of shocking to see that again in this film, like how the women are treated versus the, the men. Um, what, do you, what do you think that like all ties back to? I don't I mean, I guess there are many books written about it and I, I don't even know that I'm very qualified to answer it. But I think it's just interesting, like... I don't know. Sometimes when I listen back to us talking on these podcasts, I'll sometimes brush off like, oh, there's no way the writer was trying to Mm -hmm. say anything about gender or anything like that. But I think really what's happening, and it's probably obvious to anybody who's not as stupid as me, is that just it's our culture bleeding into the art we make. Yeah, we're just kind of accepting it. Right. And I don't think that we like to see men suffer unless it's in a battle that they win. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we, maybe it's because we expect men to be menacing or violent in day-to-day life. Yeah. That they aren't often like something like, in this type of movie, when you see someone get possessed, it's typically not a man. Right, yeah, that's a really Um, good point. Same with like that. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. we see women as more vulnerable, but I also think we think it is scarier when women are possessed. I totally. think that's similar too to why like creepy kid genre is a thing because yeah, you assume, and I'm not saying you know I personally think this, but I think our culture at, at large, women and children are supposed to be more pure than men. Right. Yeah. So that, it's more scary to get that, see that poisoned and turned against you. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. That That's such a good point. Like, I can't think of too many films uh, where, like, the male gets, like, is one of, like, the main possessed uh, people. Um, it seems like that's, like, a running trait in all these movies. It's more often the women or the children, which, yeah, that's wild. I never thought about that. And, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the idea of uh, a guy being possessed um, doesn't, like... I feel like, uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe there's like this natural fear already that like men are already uh, scary enough and like them getting possessed doesn't change it the degree so much versus a child or uh, a woman getting possessed. Right, like men are already inherently threatening. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's even more shocking. And I think it's also because maybe an audience would find it, a male audience might find it, I guess either a male or a female audience might find it emasculating to see it. Yeah. A man in those positions. Because, like, a lot of violence happens to Eric, but the first time it happens, he defeats Olivia. The second time it happens, they together defeat Natalie. The third time it happens, he dies, but it's to save David. Right, right. 
uh, none of the other women who suffer have any, uh, I guess, redeeming. Right. There's nothing redeeming about their suffering. It's just yeah to just kind of... add to the horror of the movie and the torment, the psychological torment of the main male character. Yeah, right, right. They kind of just fell victim to it. And then same with David's death. Like uh, his his like death was kind of the heroic one, right? Like where it was in his control. Right, yeah. And we don't see him go through any physical pain during yeah. the movie, just emotional pain. Right, right. And it's largely unspoken. And I think that happens a lot in movies too. Like a, a woman's pain maybe is more explicit and she speaks it aloud, whereas the man's pain is kind of subtext and we're yeah. meant to assume it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh man, that guy. He's yeah, going, and I mean, some of it is just movie making. Like, you don't want to spell everything out. You want to leave some of it as subtext for the viewer. But right, uh, I think sometimes it's more often the women characters whose feelings are spelled out than the man's. Yeah, for sure. It'd be very interesting to see this uh, this formula switched and like how effective it is. Because in a way, like the fall or it follows. I feel like uh, kind of uh, switches it up. I feel like you see like a decent number of men possessed and. That gets kind of scary. Um, there've got to be other ones too, right? Like a lot of zombie films. Uh, I guess that logic doesn't necessarily land there. That seems to be equal gender. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting, and I think that's why I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of Jane Levy because I I kind of wanted a female Ash, but that's not really what you get here. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole uh, at movie... the end you kind of do, and it's awesome. That like that scene with her in the chainsaw is badass. But yeah, I I would have liked to see more of it. Yeah, but I understand been... you can't have the same movie that way because right. it, it was cool that she became possessed as well. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see like if they do Evil Ed two and 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 more uh, off the series like if she's become if she becomes like that uh, the recurring Ash character that'd be pretty right. Neat. Yeah, do but you... honestly, man, we're like seven years away now. I'd... This is one of those things where it just feels like it'll keep being talked about, but we'll never see another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but who knows? Or if we do, it won't be Jane. Jane Levy won't be involved anymore. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? I'd so, love to see that still. I know. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I'm, I'm glad like the film ends with her kind of taking on that role and chainsawing and uh, not having that hand. Yeah, I mean that's such a cool. I, I kind of feel like I wish I could have that shot as like a poster. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty badass. Yeah. Um, so zero out of five forearms hanging on by a thread. What do you give this movie? Uh, you know, I think I gave the original three and a half. Uh, and I think this one amped it up enough uh, where I, I felt like a little more scared throughout. So I think I would give this four. Uh, would you say ha- hands falling off? Uh, forearms hanging on by a thread? Oh, forearms hanging on by a thread. I'd give it four. <laughs> God, it falls off onto the kitchen floor. Yeah. It's such a gory movie. Yeah, it's so gory, man. I, and I hate gory movies. So I, yeah, I was, I was definitely looking away for a lot of this, but uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was intense. What about you? See, you always say you hate him, but then you give him high ratings. <laughs> it's because I'm too uh, afraid to admit that like I don't like something because there's too much to handle. So, uh, I, yeah, man, I give it a four, too. It's it's uh, solid. It really does does the original justice. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. That's, that's um, a fun this watch. ended up being a long episode, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some interesting uh, comparisons and uh, subcontext here, which I'm glad we dove into. Yeah. Also, I just really took a long time to get through the plot. I took so many notes while I was watching this that it took me forever to get everything organized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's yeah. Quite a mess. Uh, okay. Well, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's it.
All right. Well, that's it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on Evil Dead. Uh, If you did, be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find our show. Uh, You can interact with us on Facebook or Twitter or on our Discord server. There are links to all those at our website, horrormovieclub.com, under social links. Uh, or you can shoot us an email at horrormovieclub dot or what podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Uh, we announced the movie that we'll be doing next week on Facebook and Twitter. So you could check there if you want to watch the movie beforehand. Our logo is done by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. Our Ohio connection that we do every episode is now from our friend Alex, who owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in cleveland so you can swing by there to get some uh drinks safely just pick them up in your car uh they're at jukebox cle on social media and i think their website is jukeboxcle.com um but yeah i think that's about it until next time if you find a hatch to a basement underneath a carpet in your vacation rental uh and it's got a path of blood leading up to it just leave right away (laughs) i think you probably don't even need that path of blood yeah, yeah. If there's Just, a hatch under a carpet. The hatch is enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's an automatic. Yeah. <laughs>